Chapter 14 The Blood of Deliverance It is the Lord's Passover. Exodus 12:11. We first notice 1. The name given here to the ordinance. The Lord's, or Jehovah's, Passover. This reminds us of our New Testament feast, so like in name, the Lord's Supper, 1 Corinthians 11.20. Both belong to the Lord. Both were instituted by Him. Both referred to Him. The Passover and the Supper have no meaning without Him. He is the Alpha and the Omega of both. The Lord is Christ's New Testament name, but it is also His Old Testament name. It is He, the Son, the Messiah, that is spoken of so often there under the name the Lord. Therefore, we rest our belief on the fact that Christ is God, not so much on the fact that the names of God are applied to Christ as on this greater fact, but that the names of Christ are applied to God. It was of him that Eve said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord, Genesis 4, 1, emphasis added. It was of him that Enoch spoke, Behold, the Lord came, Jude verse 14, emphasis added. It is of him we read, Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, Genesis 6, 3, emphasis added. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, Genesis 6, 6, emphasis added. The Lord said to Noah, Genesis 7, 1, emphasis added. The Lord said to Abram, Genesis 12, 1, emphasis added. For he who appeared to Saul also appeared to Abraham. So, in regard to the Passover, the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, Exodus 6, 13, emphasis added. 2. The persons to whom this ordinance was given, to Moses and to Aaron. In almost all other places we read, the Lord spoke to Moses alone, emphasis added. Here it is specifically to both, to him who was king in Jeshurun and to him who was Israel's high priest. They were the representatives of the nation of kings and priests, even Israel, and representatives also of the church, the higher and truer royal priesthood, 1 Peter 2, 9, to whom the Lord's Supper was to be given. To us then, as the true Moses and Aaron, kings and priests, the Lord's Supper is given. It is the banquet of Jehovah's royal priesthood. To us, as such, he says, Eat, drink, do this in remembrance of me. 1 Corinthians 11.24 3. The place where it was given. It was in the land of Egypt. It was a feast in Egypt, and yet not of Egypt. It did not consist of Egyptian food. It spoke of deliverance from Egypt, and yet it was first to be observed in Egypt. It told of Egypt, and it told of Canaan. So it is with the Lord's Supper. It is in the world, yet not of the world. It is given here, observed here, yet it points away from here. It reminds us of our heavenly inheritance. And four, the institution itself. It consists of two parts, according to how the writer of Hebrews divided it. Hebrews 11:28. First, the feast, the Passover, and second, the sprinkling of blood. Let us examine these. First, the feast. What is it? A. 
in itself it is a lamb without spot, a lamb roasted with unbroken bones, with bitter herbs, eaten in haste, with staff in hand. And b symbolically it is commemoration, it is testimony, it is nourishment, it is repentance, it is strength. Such is the supper of the Lord. It is a feast. The food is the Lamb of God. The bread and wine speak to us. The Lord's Supper is full of meaning. It is commemoration, testimony, and nourishment. My flesh is meat indeed. John 6.55, King James Version. Man eats better than angels' food. Take, eat. Matthew 26.26 are the gracious words of the Divine Provider. And secondly, the sprinkling of blood. The feast and the blood must go together. The one hangs upon the other. It's not simply blood, but sprinkled blood that we find in the Passover, the blood of the Lamb on which we feast. What then does this blood proclaim? What is it? What does it mean? There is life in question. For wherever the blood comes in, the question of life and death comes in. Here there is then the giving of life for life. It is not cleansing that is the special importance of the Passover blood, though indirectly that may come in. It is something else. Let us see what it is. First, it is the blood of separation. That blood was sprinkled on doorpost and lintel. By this sprinkling of blood, Israel was separated from Egypt. The difference between them was marked by the blood. Those people in our day who deny the blood would obliterate the distinction between the church and the world. Hatred of the blood has been the mark of the world since the days of Cain. Love for it and trust in it is the characteristic of the church of God from Abel downward. Israel dwells alone, isolated by the blood. Secondly, it is the blood of protection. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Exodus 12:13. That blood was Israel's shield. There seems a twofold kind of protection. The blood warding off the destroying angel and making him pass over, and God himself, attracted by the blood, passing over as a defender between Israel and the angel. Isaiah 31, 5. God says, When I see, the blood is ever before him. We do not see it. It is outside, beyond our vision, shed eighteen centuries ago. But God sees it, and that is our security. We think upon the blood that God sees, and we feel secure. Thirdly, it is the blood of deliverance. It not merely protected in Egypt, but it also delivered out of Egypt. It was this blood that saved. I have given Egypt as your ransom. Isaiah 43.3. There is death for Egypt, but life for Israel. Pardoned and set free, Israel turns her back on the land of bondage. That blood was the opening of her prison doors. It is still the blood that sets us free. Freedom through the blood is what we preach. And fourthly, it is the blood of doom. It was doom to Egypt. It did not merely say that God is for Israel, but that He is also against Egypt. Indeed, there is death for Egypt, for Jehovah's enemies. It is still the blood that condemns. For everyone who is not under its shield, there is only death. It seals the sinner's death. The wrath of God abides on him. The blood that would have saved now dooms.